Good. All right. All right. Good morning. Good to be back with you after all the all the uh, strange things that's happened in our world. We're still here. Matthew 5, 14, right in the middle of that, God gave us a new grandbaby. So we are grandparents for the first time, have a 15-month-old, and we are enjoying it. Matthew 5, 14. Matthew 5, 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but uh, for a candle but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house verse 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven let's pray father thank you for your love your mercy pray you would bless uh, this morning your people Meet every need, comfort the brokenhearted and the grieving. And Father, bless the uh, words. May they uh, uh, find a lodging place in our heart. And may you change our, change our lives, strengthen us with new grace to serve you in these days. We have opportunity to serve you like never before, hurting people all around us. Help us as we try to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading a book by... Uh, Victor Franco, and most of you might have heard that name. He was a Jewish doctor that was put in the concentration camps in Germany. And uh, he said that he, uh, they, they would uh, cause him to, and, and all the people, they would make the, uh, the uh, soldiers or whatever, the uh, people that were in the concentration camp, they would make them dig in the snow and the ice, work them from daylight to dark and give them uh, only a bowl of soup, mostly containing water, not much food in it, a bowl of soup and one piece of bread, and they were starving to death. And slowly, one by one, they were dying, and uh, they said they could tell who was next to die by who had the, less, the least amount of muscle mass. So that's good news for us big people. <laughs> and uh, they would... Uh, they would look in the mirror sometimes and say, uh, maybe I'm next. They would look and, and think, I may be next because I'm so uh, malnourished. And, and, uh, but uh, one day, uh, Victor Franco was digging in the ice one morning, early in the morning, and the sky was gray, and the ground was gray, and the huts were gray, and the people were gray, and it was cold. And he said, all of a sudden, the lights came on in a house up on a hill in a distant in the distance the lights came on and it changed the whole atmosphere when that light came down from that house and the word purpose came to his mind and he thought if i have a purpose i can live if i have a purpose and he said you can make it through any situation if you have a purpose and uh, he, he watched the people that lost hope and lost their purpose would lay there and wouldn't get up in the morning and they laid there and they died. They gave up hope and they died, but Victor Franco said, I have a purpose, I'm a doctor. I'm gonna be a doctor to the people in this camp, to the sick, 
And uh, he said he stayed up many, many nights without sleep, caring for others. His health was terrible. But he said he made it. He never lost hope because he had a purpose. And uh, we are the light of the world. We as Christians have a purpose. Amen. To be the light of the world. This world is, dark, is as dark as it has ever been. But we can shine brighter to a lost and dying world. Uh, Colossians talks about how to become uh, the light of the world. Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the kingdom or from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We are, uh, the Bible says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. When you have an encounter with God, when you come face to face with God, and you accept Christ, the, the free gift of salvation that he died for on the cross uh, to pay for all of our sin debt. When we admit we're sinners, believe that Jesus died for our sin, and call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says that God lights our candle. He lights our spirit, and we become the light of the world. And it says when, you are, uh, when you're saved, you belong on the candle abra. Amen? candlestick is the candelabra and the candlestick is the church so we belong in church and then the church becomes a light uh, the more uh, the more candles hanging on the candelabra the, the brighter the light is and we as a church work together as a team to to go and reach the world and help the world but uh, we'll talk about uh, our purpose, our purpose, number one, is the purpose. Number two, after we find salvation, then the plan, our plan, Romans 12, 1, God's plan for you, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable that we should give our lives back to him, him, he gave his life for us, and we should give our lives back to him. Verse 2, and, he, uh, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That word means metamorphosized, like a worm is metamorphosized into a caterpillar. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The plan is for us to find the will of God and do it. God has a plan for your life. It's not always to be a preacher or a, a pastor or an evangelist, but God has a will for your life. And uh, most, uh, somebody said 99% of the will of God is found between the pages of the Bible, on the pages of the Bible. But uh, the other day, talking about a transformer, a transformer, uh, as far as the power company is concerned the transformer takes the power from the company and it transforms it down to the people into the homes brings light into the home and uh, the other day we were in Kansas and this pastor was going to pick me up take me to the airport and he put me in this old house across from the church that's where that they have bought for uh, people to stay in when they're visiting the church and I heard uh, sirens, and I heard squealing tires, and I heard uh, uh, sounded like 10 police cars, maybe 12, chasing somebody. There was a police chase, squealing tires, and gunshots. 
right outside this house, and I was sitting with my head right in the middle of a plate glass window uh, on a couch, but my head was right in the middle of this huge plate glass window, and I thought, I think I better duck, or I'm going to take a bullet to the head. <clears throat> and uh, a few minutes later, the pastor came over, and he said, the, uh, that was a police chase. The criminal was running from the police, and he clipped the power pole, and the transformer blew up. That's what, you, that's what I heard. I thought it was gunshots. It was the transformer blew up. The transformer blew up, and we don't have any light in the church. I thought, what an illustration. Amen? If we yield ourselves, we are transformed into light if we do his will. If we don't do his will, if we're disobedient, and uh, rebellious and running from God, there's no light. So the plan is yield yourself to the will of God. Then the pace, as we start the race, we have to run at a steady pace. Amen? Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, amen? Number one, you've got to get in your lane. When you get saved, then you follow Jesus, and you walk with him. And sometimes our paths will cross, and there'll be others in our lane. Right now, we're in the same lane. We're all in the same lane in this church. We're here with you. And... Uh, Sometimes it'll be just you and Jesus. Sometimes you'll find friends that you cross paths with uh, once every 25 years. I go to some churches, it's once every 25 years. And, I th and, and the last time I'm there, I was there, I said, y'all want me to put you back on the, uh, on the circuit? I'll come back in 25 years. Amen? I was in one church the other day. It's been 35 years since I'd been there. I said, I'll be back in 35. Amen? But... Uh, we are in the same lane. Sometimes it's just us and Jesus, but we've got to stay in our lane, follow him, looking unto Jesus. Then lay aside the weights and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The weights are the many times competing and comparing. When we start competing with each other, we uh, miss the will of God. One man said, uh, he said he was running down the road doing his daily jog, and this old man was jogging ahead of him. And he said, I bet you I can beat him. And he started speeding up and he passed the old man. And he was so proud of himself. But he said, I missed my turn. <laughs> he was competing. When we start competing, we miss our turn sometimes. We go the wrong direction. Uh, and then uh, there was a story uh, years ago back in the steamboat days where two men started racing their steamboats. And steamboats are not designed for speed and these two men were racing and they started throwing stuff into the fire to get their furnace a little hotter get their engine a little faster and their paddle a little faster and they kept throwing stuff and they threw all the furniture of the boat into the fire and they burned up all their valuables competing and I've known men they've, they've thrown their their Bible time their relationship with God their time to pray into the fire. They've uh, thrown their family into the fire trying to build the greatest church. And uh, then they'll throw their testimony away and their sanity away. Everything. They throw it all away trying to build a great church and competing with others 
instead of just walking with Jesus. We've got to get our pace right. Jesus will not, uh, his pace will be easy. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he's not going to overdrive us. He won't overdrive us. Get the pace right. Uh, lay aside the weights. Many times it's competing. Sometimes it's comparing. When we compare ourselves to others, there's nobody else on earth like you. There's nobody else that can reach the people that you can. God has taken a lifetime to design you. We heard a, a testimony of a, a lady who won the Miss America several years ago. And she was on a Christian show, and she said, I, the one thing I have to do every morning is remind myself, don't compare yourself to others. Because when she does, she goes into depression. But she said, uh, when you, uh, you have to remind, and she has to remind herself, God's fingerprint is upon me. And God's fingerprint is upon you. He made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are were made in the womb. God was making you and designing you in the womb. And uh, don't compare yourself. She said if Picasso had tried to been, had tried to been uh, any other painter, any other artist, a Rembrandt, if uh, Picasso had tried to be somebody else, he would not have been Picasso. There would have been no Picasso because he was so unique, so different as an artist. And you have to be you. Amen? Uh, don't compete, don't compare, lay aside the sin, the weight, you know the sin that always trips you up. And I know my sin, as an artist, as a singer, as a songwriter, I'm always wanting to do, uh, go to the world and do the will of the world instead of the will of God. I have to watch that sin and guard against that sin in my life. Uh, lay aside the sin, the weights, and run with patience the race that is set before you. We have the purpose. We have the, the uh, plan to yield ourselves. We have the pace to run and follow Jesus. And then the planting of the seed. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I have planted Apollos watered. This is Paul talking. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And Paul had to keep reminding the Corinthians they wanted to worship man. And he kept saying, no, all we are is nothing. We're nothing. We're just the one that planted the seed. Somebody else prayed, and God gives the increase. The other day we were walking down our road, and my wife saw this tree on a, a plot of ground next to our acreage. And uh, there was nobody that lived there for years. But yet... There was vines wrapped around this tree and uh, grapes growing. She said, that tree is full of grapes. Or it could have been muscadines in our, in our nation, or state, the great state of Georgia. We have muscadine vines and scuppernines. It could have been that. But they were wrapped around the tree limbs and it was full of fruit. And somebody had just bought that property. And I thought, what a shame, we could have got those, but now it'd be stealing. <laughs> and uh, it reminded me of the fruit that we bear as Christians. And uh, there was an illustration somebody sent, my wife sent it to me, to my phone, of a man in Chicago. Years ago, there was a man, a pastor, 
And God woke him up and said, go to the Chicago train station and preach the gospel. It was the middle of the night, and he thought, I'm, I must be losing it. I'm losing my mind. So he went back to sleep. And God woke him up again and said, go preach the gospel in the Chicago train station. So he went. There was nobody there. He said, I preached the gospel, gave an invitation, led in prayer, and went home. Twenty years later, he was in a Billy Sunday meeting. Most of you know who Billy Sunday was. He was an evangelist that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people saved back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. But uh, <clears throat> he was at a Billy Sunday meeting, and Billy Sunday said, I was lost. He was a baseball player. He said, I was lost, and I was in the Chicago train station one night, and I heard a voice preaching the gospel, but I couldn't see anybody. I couldn't find where the voice was coming from. And he said, I kept looking around, and I heard this voice preaching the gospel, and I got saved. And that preacher realized that was who got saved the night that he thought nothing happened. That one seed that he planted, because of that one seed, millions upon millions of people have been saved. And when we get to heaven, the Bible says God will show us our fruit. There's a, there's a word in the, in the uh, Old Testament called re-reward. God is our re-reward. It means to go behind you and pick up all like, your, uh, like you mothers have to pick up after your children and your husbands. And uh, we have uh, my wife babysits our little grandbaby a couple of days a week. And when he leaves, she has to pick up books, toys, pots, pans. He gets in cabinets and finds things she has not seen in 30 years. <laughs> he can find it. Where did that come from? He's crawling in the cabinets. He's pulling out stuff, and she has to pick up behind him. And that's what it means to pick up. Uh, Re-reward means God goes behind you and Every seed that you planted, every seed that you don't even realize you planted, God's going to go behind you, pick it up, and put it, uh, Job said, he's going to put it in our born, born in heaven. And uh, there, one day, we'll see all of our fruit, all of our fruit. Then the prize. One day, we're going re- to win the prize. And Paul said this in Philippians 3, 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm keeping my eyes on the prize, the heavenly prize, not the earthly prize. We get confused. A friend of mine took a, uh, has a ministry in Africa, and he took a 70-year-old man that had m- climbed Mount Everest twice. The man had worldly ac- accolades. I think that's the way you pronounce that. We'll just rush by that word if I didn't. But uh, he, uh, he has uh, people, uh, the praises of men because he climbed Mount Everest twice. But my friend said, I took him to the middle of Africa and I set him in the middle of poverty. He said, I dropped him right in the middle of poverty. And the man, he said, it rocked his world. He was crying and said, have I missed Have I missed it climbing these mountains all these years? Have I missed missed my purpose? And he said, no, it just depends on what you do with it. And uh, 
we, we started discussing, I said, have you heard that story of the man who won the Pulitzer Prize for taking that, the picture of a little girl in Africa and won the top 100 photos ever in the world? He won a Pulitzer Prize for being in the top 100 photographs in the, ever taken in the world. But uh, yeah, and the friend of mine told me more about the story. He said, yeah, it was in Africa. The UN sent photographers in and they said, you cannot touch the people and you cannot help the people. And he took a picture of a little girl crawling uh, to try to get to the, where they were handing out food in the midst of a famine. She was crawling and she was so close to death that the buzzards were lined up behind her, flying behind her, ready to pounce on her. She was that close to death. But the man who took the picture committed suicide. And uh, I thought, when I hear that, I think, you know what? An earthly prize will not fulfill like a purpose to help people will fulfill. Uh, Victor Franco said, man finds meaning when he serves his fellow man. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. After he washed the disciples' feet, he said, happy are you if you do these things. We find happiness, we find fulfillment when we serve others. You have a purpose. Do you have a purpose? Are you living for that heavenly prize or an earthly prize? I have to ask myself over and over, am I Am I more interested in an earthly prize, earthly praise, than that heavenly prize? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, your mercy. We pray you would work in our hearts, work in the midst of your people, and those that are on the, the border of not knowing which way to go. I pray you'd help us all to, to choose to have a heavenly purpose, to serve others, to serve you, and to win others for Christ in Jesus name amen it's awesome